0: Well, good evening, Mosaic family. How are you doing? Great to see you after this Thanksgiving. Everybody have full bellies. That was amazing to get to spend some time with family and get to eat good food. Uh, This afternoon, we're going to worship King Jesus. So would you stand with us as we fix our eyes on his goodness? We have a seat.
1: Well, good evening, Mosaic. It's good to be with you tonight. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Ashley and I help with communications here. Um, it's really good to be with church family tonight. I was off work this week and have just been missing you guys. And so I'm really grateful to have you here uh, worshiping with us this evening. We're finishing up our Philippians series before we kick off Advent. Um, And so what a time, what a time of year. I love it. Uh, Speaking of Advent, we have some resources for you. So if you have subscribed to our Advent devos in the past and you didn't click unsubscribe at any point, you should automatically start receiving these emails tomorrow uh, with our Advent devos. There are a couple different ways you can Uh, take those pieces of content in. Uh, You can listen to the podcast version of it. You can read it, um, but that will be delivered straight to your inbox. If you haven't uh, subscribed to those yet, you can text hashtag Devo to the number on the screen there. Um, You can also sign up through our website. Um, And then if you are having like, if you've got little kids in your home or really kids of any age and you want something tangible that you guys can do as a family, we have our Advent family booklets uh, out in the foyer by our kids' check-in station and at the info booth. Um, That'll just walk you through uh, some of the ways that we get excited about the coming of Christ and the ways you can do that with your family. Next, I'm gonna talk about something that feels like it might be far away considering it's November and we're talking about Christmas, but we have our Women's Spring Studies right around the corner. Those registrations will open up soon. Um, and again, this might feel early, but if you know anything about me, my Christmas tree's been up for three weeks. I like to be ahead of the game. Um, and so with these registrations opening up this week, we want uh, you ladies to, to jump into these classes. The classes we've had going on this past semester have been so, so good. Um, and I believe all those ladies are signing up again. So jump in with them, make sure you have a spot in those classes. Um, last things last, I'm gonna pray for us before we return to worship. So if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this evening where we get to be together uh, to gather and worship and learn and uh, and grow together ultimately, Lord. Uh, thank you for the people in this room. We pray for those who might still be traveling from the holiday. Um, pray that you bring them back to us safe. Uh, And we ask that as we continue this evening, we do not leave here without knowing and loving you more. In your room pray, amen.
0: Thanks, Ashley. Church, would you stand with us? I wanna teach you the chorus of this song as we prepare our hearts to worship, but more importantly, to give the offering tonight. This is how the chorus goes. And when you start to learn it, would you just jump in and sing with me? Thank you, Jesus.
2: You set me free, Christ, my Savior.
0: You rescued me. That's it. Let's keep singing that. Thank you, Jesus.
2: You set
0: would you take our offering prayer that we've been reading? Would you just read it silently to yourself? And as you read, would you just see if the Holy Spirit prompts any sort of gratitude in your heart? Let's give you a moment just to read and pray. hearts of gratitude if you sing this with me.
2: Thank
3: Hey, y'all, my name is Michael Marcotte, and my wife Carrie and I have been attending or worshiping at Fellowship for coming up on 21 years in March. Um, about seven years ago, we moved to Mosaic, and we just really love our Saturday night family. We've been blessed um, to raise four children in this ministry. Um, this is my youngest, Cord. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> But no, we really have been blessed. Um, we've, been, we've served in so many different capacities from the infants to preschool place and um, K, K2 town and Celebrate Recovery and Mother's Day Out, and we're currently hosting um, the boys' cell group on Wednesday night. Um, so it's a privilege and a blessing to be here with you tonight to read the word. Let's read from Philippians 4.10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings, all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
4: Hey, uh, as you're taking a seat, go ahead and if you have a saint or a friend or maybe a face around you you don't know, I'm going to have you stand back up and say, hey, go ahead and if you haven't yet, give each other a hug. Make sure you uh, give each other a chance to greet one another. This is a, a pretty special group of people, isn't it? I love, even as um, just getting to share, that, that this is a really special spiritual family. You had uh, we're closing out Philippians tonight, and then we'll head into Advent. Have you enjoyed our time? Yeah, Chapter four. If you've got a Bible or your booklet or a tablet, go for it. Take notes. Go make a disciple and teach it to someone else. And uh, you had Will Blanchard teaching on joy, putting the gospel into practice. I know, yep, you can clap, that's okay. We can celebrate in this place. And Joy and Sarah, I mean legitimately, might be the most joyful humans in this room. Like they just, I, to use a phrase I've never used in my life and I can't get out of my head. Will said it one time, he said ooze, let the gospel ooze. And I was like, I've never said the word ooze and now all I say is ooze. Will and Sarah ooze joy. And you had Will up here just teaching it. And then last week you had Dr. Oliver. Uh, somewhere around here and Gary got to teach on peaceful and isn't he one of the most peaceful men around and I was excited you know I get to close out the last chapter and um, you got the expert in joy you got the the man and person of peace and you have a discontent grumbling man on the stage tonight and it was as if the Holy Spirit was like you probably need this more than the body does So I'm actually taking the posture tonight, not as the person who's like, let me tell you all the things I've done in my life. This is like I'm walking into TJ Maxx this afternoon trying not to hit someone in the face while an elderly woman and a young mother are fighting over a stroller while I'm just trying to get some cologne that I like. Welcome to Mosaic. (laughs) But in our culture, let's start here. Let's start in our culture. And maybe even before we start in our culture, let's go to Philippians' culture because they would have been familiar with a question that philosophers in their day have asked for centuries. And it's this question. What is the secret to the good life? What's the good life? What is a life satisfied and fulfilled and meaningful? The good life, right? If you found yourself asking this question. So about 300 years before Paul, there would be philosophers in, in Greece and, and in Rome and they would get together and they would ask this question, what is the secret to the good life? And you have a whole spectrum of views, but typically they'd land on one of two places. On one side, you find yourself that it's to live for pleasure. This is hedonism, the, the hedonistic. This was a view, uh, Epicurus is a philosopher who would say that the greatest thing you could do in this life is to seek pleasure. What you want, when you want, how you want. That the good life is achieved and pursuit of the good things that you desire. And this would be a contentment that's really rooted in circumstances. So when I have what I want, that's a good life. When I don't have what I want, something needs to change. On the other side of that, you would have Aristotle or more the, the Stoic philosophers. And so again, if we're in the streets of Philippi and they're like, so you got the hedonism, what, what else is there? And you might run into a Philippian and they'll tell you, oh, there's actually another one. It's this, this term of happiness that the happy life is actually found in the pursuit of meaning. It has nothing to do necessarily with, with pleasure, although that's important. It's actually finding your purpose, your meaning, that, that, that life is going to be found and achieved by your virtuous actions to be the best human you can be in this life. And that's, what, that's how you achieve the good life. And this is actually a question that even up to this day that we still have, not philosophers, but Harvard has an entire department. Have you seen this? The, the, the study of human flourishing that Harvard has pulled together all across social sciences and philosophers and historians, and they've said, what does it take to live the good life in this day and age? And there's two brilliant minds. I'd encourage you to read them sometime. Two doctors um, got together, and uh, Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz, and they are currently, there's a scientific study that has been going on for 80 years I'm like, I haven't even studied script. I haven't studied anything that long. Much life studying like human behavior. But you know what they found? The diagnosis on what makes a fulfilling and meaningful life, the simple but surprising answer is this. Relationships. Pleasure is good. You you should pursue pleasure. Meaning, purpose is good. But relationships are key to having a, a life that's fulfilled. They said that the stronger our relationships are, the more likely we are to live a happy, satisfying, and overall healthy life. It reveals the strength of our connections with others can actually predict both uh, the health of our bodies and our brains. Now, is there anything wrong with pursuing pleasure? No. God has actually given us good gifts that are to be received and to be pursued, and that's okay, that's good. Get your Black Friday shopping done. Let's get those gifts under the tree. That's, that's okay. Is it bad to say, I want to be this type of person and this is the kind of way I want to live my life so I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps and become that kind of person? That's awesome. That sounds like a really functioning, thriving human in society, right? Is it bad to say that relationships, like we need relationships. If you're going to live the good life, it cannot be done in isolation. It needs to be relationships. All of those things are good, Right? What Paul is going to say is all of those things may be good, but they cannot satisfy. That term, contentment, it actually comes across to mean that which is most deeply embedded in us to to satisfy, to find delight and enjoyment in this life. And so please, don't hear me say tonight that you pursuing pleasures is bad. God's actually for your pleasures. That your relationships, they matter. I mean, truth, accountability, relationships, that's what we're here for at Fellowship. That you getting that job or raising that kid that way or pursuing the goals in your life that you have, those are all good things. It will not satisfy you ultimately. And so tonight, what I'd love to do is look at Paul, what he calls the secret to contentment. Paul's secret sauce to living a satisfied life, living the good life. And I'm, I'm approaching this as a learner, so please don't look at me as one who has it all figured out. If anything, uh, let's grab a cup of coffee and you can kind of teach me how it's been life. But I love where Paul starts. He actually picks up on what Harvard's starting with. Look with me in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And then down in 14, he says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Paul is starting from the posture here of relationships, deep spiritual friendships. All throughout the book of Philippians, we've heard this term, partnership but these are friends. This isn't just like a church plant for Paul that he like planted and then he's out of there. This is a spiritual family, which he, he not only cares for, he is cared for by. And, and in context here, Paul is sitting in a, on house arrest in Rome, and I don't know if you know much about house arrest in Rome in the first century. It's not very luxurious. Like he's, he's able to have people come in and he's actually using it, as we'll see, to make disciples in the household of Caesar right outside of uh, Rome, but it's not like Paul's sitting there and even as he's writing this, he has everything he needs. And so the Philippians are sending him aid. They've actually sent Epaphroditus, who we read about a couple of weeks ago, to come to Paul to to give him good things to support him. And it's as if like, at first, Paul kind of seems like, dude, just say thank you. You ever met somebody, like you give them a compliment and then they like give you 30 reasons? It becomes like a lecture. That's what Paul's gonna do. Look, he says this in verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need. It's like, okay, Paul, just say thanks. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. That term there, again, contentment, is uh, it's rooted in the Greek archaeo. It means to be satisfied. Like, I don't know if you, how your Thanksgiving meal was, but you ever like, you, you eat it and then you fall asleep and then like three hours later, you're like, I kind of want more. <laughs> and then you stuff your face again and it's like, oh, now I feel sick again. Uh, Paul has found something that, it, he doesn't have to keep going back. He's found something that is not just um, like quick momentary pleasure. And it's not just a, I know what I'm doing in this life and I'm gonna pursue that holistically. He says this word, it's a secret. It's something the Greek philosophers, they haven't tapped into yet, Philippi he says, the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. Uh, for, for the Jackson boys, I, I have two sons. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And uh, we've kind of stolen, there's a guy out of New York named John Tyson. Um, he has a, a fathering program he calls the Intentional Father. It's great. And uh, for our boys, we, we walk it, we call it the primal path. Um, there's a lot of paths you could walk in this life, but Jesus has what he calls the way. And it's of first importance to stay on. And so we have some stepping stones. So how do you know if you're on the primal path? And contentment's actually one of them because I don't know if you've hung out with an eight or a six-year-old lately. They're not very content. Um, like every shop we're in, I mean, we're at the part now, like raising kids for me right now feels more like fight club. You don't talk about Fight Club, but I'm going to. Um, In the back of my car, it is like every second, they're just like at each other and screaming and whining and complaining, and then guess what I do? Do I come in as this loving, kind, content father? No, I get grumbly, and I start yelling and screaming because they're not listening to me. I didn't hit them, don't call anyone on me, I don't hit my children, but I wanted to. Like, can we just get that out there? This is a safe place, welcome to Mosaic. But my boys, we're trying to understand what Paul is saying here first and foremost is this is a learned practice. If the apostle Paul sitting in a prison cell with nothing in Rome after being shipwrecked and beaten and kicked out of town after town, Judaizers won his head and Roman citizens, they're ready to, the Roman soldiers, they just can't like, they don't understand this guy. And if he can say, yeah, I've been learning to be content lately. Friends, I think this is more of an invitation than a command. You want to know the secret sauce to living the good life? It's going to be found in finding contentment and learning day after day through every circumstance. Now, I'm looking around this room, and you might too. There's some good circumstances in here. There's some people who are walking through some really good and beautiful, hopeful things. I mean, we have new kids, we have new job opportunities, this spiritual family, we actually have some things we're celebrating. And we should, we should, even in those good moments, we should be content and say, ah, I'm so satisfied that God's allowing us to walk in this. There's also some pretty hard circumstances in the room right now. Some of us, this is not, this is not an oasis. It feels a little more like a desert in our faith, doesn't it? Um, whether it's the pain of divorce, whether it's um, not being able to, to find the marriage, whether it's the job loss, whether it's the the taking care of a loved one through very difficult circumstances. There's a lot of hurts in this room. And Paul's invitation to us is, whether it's in the oasis moments or in the desert moments, is finding satisfaction. It's learning to be satisfied in every circumstance. Contentment first is learned. It's a learned practice. Um, Will Blanchard taught me a a, a saying one time for ultra runners called the pain cave. Have you heard this before? Ultra means anything over a marathon. Do I have runners in the room? Yeah, and and you probably know, you you get to the pain cave and there's nowhere to go except through it, right? And you just kind of embrace the suck. Like this is gonna be hard, this is going to hurt, but I know that through this, I'm going to be okay. There's a finish line on the other side with friends and loved ones waiting. And I love that that for Paul, it seems, whether he's shipwrecked on an island, or whether he's sitting in a house church in Philippi, or if he's in a prison cell at Rome, he has this ongoing way of learning not just to go through circumstances, but Gary Oliver taught me one time that we can actually grow through our circumstances. Contentment, first of all, is learned. Next, Paul continues. He says, that I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. This is good news for those of us who have needs. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Um, First, contentment is learned through circumstances. Second, Paul is teaching us here that um, contentment is not based on our possessions. Now, are possessions bad? Like, is it bad to want things on Amazon right now? No. But you have to understand, that thing is not going to satisfy the deepest desire of your heart. Is it wrong to want the house and the car and the vehicle? No, not at all. Those are actually good things that God has created that we can receive. But there's something within our hearts that we begin to try and find those things as the source and satisfaction of our joy. To choose to be content, not just in circumstances, but choose to be content when we do or do not have. And for Paul, he says here, hey, um, I, if you seek to be satisfied in what you do or do not have, you're going to lose your soul in the midst of it. And our, our master and friend Jesus himself would say, you could gain the whole world and you would still lose your soul. You'd be left unsatisfied. Next, Paul, oh, uh, Thomas Akempis, I love this quote. You cannot find complete satisfaction in any temporal gift because you were not created to find your delight in them. Even if you possessed all the good things God has created, you could not feel happy and glad. All your gladness and happiness rest in the God who created those things. Contentment, first, it's learned. Paul is inviting us to to study the, the good life here. Second, it's not gonna be found when we do or do not have. And third, to the philosophers who are saying it's found in the meaning of you finding out your purpose and living it out, Paul says contentment is based on God's power. Now, um, th- this next one, verse 13, um, any sports fans in the rooms? Ooh, sports. Have you seen this on, what, what's it called, the shadow on football players? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that the context in which Paul is writing? No, Uh, context is key here because what Paul does not say is you can score all touchdowns through Christ who strengthens you. God didn't score the touchdown, you did. Good job, keep it up. Um, But what Paul is pointing to here, and the context is key, this is not just a a verse for athletes. It's not about hyping you up or, or motivating you to go out there and do big things. What Paul is calling us to is that he's in prison and he's weak and he's hungry and he's beaten and he's alone. Those are his circumstances. And yet he's able to say, I am completely satisfied. How? Because Paul's not dependent upon himself. He's not dependent upon his circumstances or or his ability to do or not to. His dependency, his sufficiency, his satisfaction is in God and his power. So this isn't like self-effort, self-help, kind of um, get out there and be more content. It's saying, no, I I am much more satisfied in God so much so that even in my weaknesses, I can boast in his strength. Contentment's learned. Contentment is not based in our possessions, but it is based in God's power. We depend on him, bless you. So um, first, Paul talks on contentment. You want the secret sauce to living the good life? It's gonna be found in this. The the secret to the good life is contentment in the good news of Jesus. It's choosing to be satisfied in Christ and in Christ alone. It's saying, hey, everything I have and everything I could do or would do or things I haven't done, I, I choose that I'm going to be satisfied in Jesus and what he has, and what he has done and what he will do. But if you want to experience this life and life to the fullest, it's not going to be found in achieving great things. It's going to be found in receiving his great things, his goodness. And Paul, after he points to um, the contentment piece, he he moves to generosity. And it almost seems like it comes out of nowhere. It's like, which, which teaching do you want me to do here, Paul? Do I need to teach on contentment or do I need to teach on generosity? What we actually begin to see is when we follow Paul and choosing to be content in the good news and the gospel, generosity becomes the outflow. If we're filled with the good news of Jesus, all we can do is begin to share with others good things. And so he, he moves then into generosity, that if you want to be satisfied in this life, it's only going to be satisfied in Christ. And as you find satisfaction in Christ, you start to help others become satisfied in And so we look then, Paul continues in verse 15 through 17. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel. When I set out for Macedonia, he's he's referring here to his first missionary journey. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Not one. But the Philippians did. Except you only, for when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid once more. This isn't the first time sitting in a prison cell that the Philippians have caught on that when I find satisfaction in Jesus, I start to support his kingdom wherever it's at work. And when I was in need, 17, not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited to your account. One of my favorite definitions of generosity. Generosity is giving good things to others freely and abundantly. Generosity is giving good things, not just like (laughs) hand-me-downs. It's giving good things to others freely and abundantly. Uh, Don Reed is about to kick off a class. Where are you at, Don? You in here? Yeah. Don Reed's about to kick off uh, Aligning Your Finances with the Heart of God. January, right? Are we doing it in January at Mosaic? Yeah. Yeah. And it is by far probably one of the most practical ways we could take this text and apply it in our lives. Because what Don does in this class is he says, hey, it's not what God wants from you, it's actually what God wants for you. That our stuff, our time, our talent, and our treasures, like you hear generosity and immediately we get nervous because what do we think we're talking about? (laughs) Our pockets. Now, please, give money, that's awesome. But also, don't just give money. God has given you skills and abilities and gifts that you are to steward and to use to be a blessing in this world. And I don't know if there's anything more valuable that I'm learning in relationships than just time together. To just sit and be with one another. And so if you hear generosity, please hear, yeah, financial generosity, let's go. And you are a great body doing an incredible job with it. But also, May we go above and beyond, as Paul invites us to, in our time, and our talents, the, the giftings that we have. And I love, he says that, that phrase, that, um, not that I desire your gifts. Again, Paul, just say thanks. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. What is he talking, is this like our best and Philippi? What is getting credited to their account? Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures. Where? In heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. See, what Paul's inviting us to here, as we become satisfied in Jesus, as we choose contentment and that our strength is found in him, then we begin to see the world in such a way that we want to join the generous God who gives freely good things freely and abundantly, we actually become partakers with him. And that's not just a like here on earth thing, that's continuing all the way into new heaven, new earth. That we can start using our time, our talents, our treasures in such a way in Northwest Arkansas that it actually has benefits for us in kingdom come. That generosity is not like this one time thing, the plate came around, like Rodney Holmstrom does a double tap. You ever seen that? Because he gives online. So if you give online, you're like, I don't know what to do when it comes around. Double tap. Um, Eternal, this is an eternal practice. Why? Because our eternal God is a generous God, which is exactly where Paul points to next. Look, he says, uh, I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, for they're a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Generosity, contentment in Jesus leads us to a life where We're generous and that's an eternal practice and it's also an opportunity for worship. That when we give, let's say we have brothers and sisters in this room who are in need. We don't give out of this like, kind of like, okay, Colin, community pastor asking me for another need to fill. No, we're so satisfied in Jesus that we wanna give all we have to benefit those in Northwest Arkansas and the world. Not, Not out of this duty or have to, it's out of this, Delight. I am so satisfied in the goodness of God that I'm willing to share it with others. It becomes a practice of worship that, that um, we actually have the opportunity every time, whether it's our time, whether it's in the, the office cubicle or it's with the little kid at home or for me in the back of the car fighting, there's a chance there to be generous in our time and to see people intentionally, to see them. Or maybe it really is like, hey, friends, there's people in this body and there's definitely people in this city. The holidays are not like a happy time. And some of you are very talented at loving others well and just providing a listening, caring ear. And to say, hey, I don't know what's going on for you as we approach Advent, but could we get some time together? Or when you have entire community groups that say, hey, let's take up a collection and let's just go bless the socks off a family that we have the opportunity and generosity to practice worship. And then Paul moves on and he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. First, notice Paul says that he will meet all your needs, not greeds. It's our daily bread. This is the prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Give us today what you know that we need. Because there's going to be things... if I am not content in Christ, there's going to be things that I do not need right now. It's actually going to do more damage to my heart and the hearts of those around me. But when I'm satisfied, when I'm content in the gospel, and I take this posture of, God, whatever you have, I am in every circumstance, I am ready to receive your goodness and your love and your grace in this moment. He knows exactly what I need. And in that moment, according to our needs, notice it's not according to my effort or how worthy I am or what I have or what I have not done. Because I think there's a temptation here that we could see, okay, I'm content in Jesus. So now God, give me what I want. Mm-mm, you missed it. I'm content in Jesus. God, have your way. I surrender. I am eager to receive what you know I need, not according to what I have or haven't done. What's it according to? According to Paul. Paul. Christ, his glory, his riches. And so for us, I love what Paul's doing here from his prison cell in Rome, that he's inviting the the church in Philippi to practice generosity in such a way that they're actually joining the generous God in what he's been doing since day one, where he creates every good living thing and he shares it so that we could continue and be partners with him as Philippi's partnering with Paul. That we give good things, not out of, um, we don't give good things with grumbling, but out of grace. That we can give others freely and abundantly because of what God has given to us. So the secret to contentment, a secret to a good life, is satisfaction in the gospel. For Paul, as he closes this letter, he could have said anything, and he says, no, I I want you to be content. I've learned this secret, that I'm grateful for the gifts, but I've learned to be content in every single circumstance. Why? Because I can go through hardship, I can go through trials, I can even go through death, and I still will have a Savior who conquered them all. Like, what what is... Me feeling um, embarrassed to share the good news of Jesus when I compare it to the immeasurable worth that that the grave and tomb are empty. So in my contentment in the gospel, as I do that, it begins to produce in me, I wanna be generous as God's been generous. As as the gospel becomes bigger in my eyes, I start to see the, the world differently in such a way that I can give and share with others in such a way that it actually increases my faith begin to grow. So to close, I I think there's so much that we could spend more time on, but I love the way Gary Oliver just gives us one practice. If you could just pick one thing as we close our time in Philippians that you want to begin to practice. Um, Maybe you don't have concerned friends around you. Maybe you're doing the Christian life alone and it's not working because the Christian life always has been and always will be communal. And that's not just the community pastor saying that. Um, The world will know you are his disciples by your love for the person sitting next to you, in front of you, and behind you. Who's sitting around your table, or, or maybe not even who's sitting around your table, whose table are you going to sit at? Maybe in this season, what you need is, is you need some spiritual friends. Maybe what you need is, is you need people like like Philippi and Paul in that depth and that fellowship they have for one another. Maybe you need to start pursuing that with the brothers and sisters in this room. Or maybe um, you're like me and this one's kind of hitting home and like, I'm not a very content person. I wanna be. How do I start? I need to start giving thanks in every circumstance. So kids fighting in the back of the car, yeah, I need to find a way to thank God in that. Or in the the really beautiful moments of getting to celebrate and worship in this room, yeah, I wanna give thanks to God in that. But I began to actually let um, thanksgiving fuel that next thing, to, to share generously with others. Maybe you have a bunch of stuff and you're like flipping through all the things you could buy and you're realizing like, that's not gonna satisfy. Jesus does, of course. Maybe instead of me looking at something to buy for myself, I need to look at something to buy for someone else. Or maybe it's not even buying things. Maybe I just need to ask them to coffee and say, hey, I just wanna hear how you are and love you and pray for you. And I hope for all of us, as Paul concluded there, that that we would trust God to provide in every circumstance. Whatever the hardship, whatever the challenge, whatever the pain you are walking in in this moment, that there's an invitation for you to say, but God, I trust you. I know you are good, and I know you do good. So I trust. And then Paul concludes, again, he can't just say bye. (laughs) And I love his conclusion. He he focuses three things here. Look and notice with me. He starts with God's glory. That all of this that he said in Philippians, "To uh, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. And then I I love, even while he's sitting in his house arrest in Rome, he says, hey, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. I love it. Like even sitting in Rome in prison, he's like, hey, by the way, we got brothers and sisters in Caesar's house. Celebrate with me. And then he closes with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you you, uh, be with your spirit, amen. And uh, tonight we're just gonna come to the table with our spiritual friend. And uh, we're gonna ask, if you wouldn't mind, would you step out to your right and then return on your left? And uh, we're gonna have some folks who are gonna give you a blessing. So as you come and take the elements, we're gonna take them. And first off, would you receive? Um, maybe you're coming to the table tonight and you are in the thick of some pretty hard hurts and hangups. Um, you're feeling weak. You feel like I don't have what it takes to continue in this journey of faith. And our friends tonight are going to have a blessing for you. And they're going to say, hey, this is, this is Christ's strength for you. But the choosing to be content in the gospel. Um, maybe you're in the room tonight and, and you are in the in a place where all you want to do is get out there and share the good news with every single neighbor and every single coworker and invite them to to experience this, this life of contentment in Christ. I pray that even as you take the elements tonight, you would receive this blessing of the strength of Christ for you in that endeavor. The tables are open. Come, grab, and then we're gonna hold and we'll take and eat together as a spiritual family. Would you pray with me? Father, to your glory and our good, we are thankful for our time in Philippians. Jesus, would you help us to find satisfaction in you and you alone? And all the things that would fill our hearts that we would try to find satisfaction in that just continue to leave us wanting, would you fill? Holy Spirit, would you help us to be a people content in the gospel and generous with those around us that they could come to know and love and experience you. Thanks for this table. Come now to celebrate the generous gift you've given us and through the cross.
2: You're kind.
0: Church, if you uh, take the cup, the juice, and just hold it for a second, feel it in your hand, and Christ said that this was His blood spilled for you. So, church, would you take that and drink? Now, would you grab the bread? And again, just hold it, feel it in your hands. Christ said that this was his body that was broken for you. So church, would you take this bread and would you eat? So if was- together only you said. One more time. Only you said, only
2: you said Jesus, you are my life
0: for me to live is Christ. Lord, we found our life in you. Lord, in your breath. Lord, thank you for sending your spirit. Lord, as you lead us, thank you for Jesus and his life you live as an example. Lord, help us to embrace the gratitude that we need to have in our hearts. We love you so much, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Church, if you need prayer, we'll have the prayer team available in the back, two corners. They should have little badges on. Uh, We'd love to pray with you. If you don't want to pray with someone in particular, we have prayer cards for you to fill out a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you this week. Um, And if you're a guest, visit our info booth. We'd love to connect with you. For now, go in peace to love and serve the Lord and the people said. See ya.